the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Colin was a, a very good, a good teenager. He went to Mass so many days of the week. He even had a, a small part-time job working for the parish. This is St. Mark's, where so many good things began in Vienna. Um, he locked up the church in the evening. And... Um, and the whole, you know, the whole, all the offices, all the church buildings. So that means occasionally he would see me in my office um, still working when he was locking up. Um, one evening, uh, and I know some of you have heard this story before, but hopefully you forgot it so it can be like you were hearing it for the very first time. One evening, Colin was locking up, and uh, much to my shame, I was just offering my Mass. Um, I don't know if it was my day off or if it was a day when I just didn't have a parish mass. Uh, might have been 10 p.m. or 10.30, and I'm in the chapel. Um, so St. Mark's has a church um, of unique dimensions, um, but it also has a daily mass chapel, which is really quite lovely. And on Fridays, um, we would have uh, a Latin mass um, offered chanted ad orientum every Friday evening. It was lovely. Um, and it was, it was done in such a way that a lot of people couldn't tell which book it was. Was it the Missal of 62 or the Missal of, of you know, 1970, whatever. And uh, um, so, but this was a private mass. And Colin was locking up the chapel and I could tell, I'm, I'm facing the tabernacle, so I'm facing the the windows looking out to the woods, but it's nighttime, so I'm just seeing the tabernacle. And I, but I could hear the keys, and I could hear his footsteps, and I could hear that he was at the door, and, and he was about to lock, but he saw that I was at the altar offering Mass. And he obviously stood there for some time. He didn't, I don't think he came into the chapel, but he stood there for some time. And, you know, I just continued the prayers and um, he walked away eventually. So whatever doors he didn't lock because I was um, in need of the doors being unlocked, uh, I took care of that evening. But the next day when he came through locking up doors, I was in my office. And so he asked me, uh, hey, Father, what were you doing last night? And I said, well, I was offering Mass. He said, yeah, but there was nobody there who we were offering Mass to. And I said, well, I was offering Mass to God. And he said, yeah, but there was nobody there. And so I could tell here, I mean, this is a, this is a boy who goes to Mass quite a bit and prays quite a bit. Um, but all he's ever seen is you know, what's prevailed for the last few decades. And so instead of um, berating him, you know, obviously, how, how, how would he have known anything other than what he's saying in his innocence? So, so I tried to explain to him, well, even when the church is full, I'm still offering Mass to God. Um, you know, everyone's there, but I'm not offering Mass to the congregation I'm offering Mass to God. And I don't, 
Um, I don't know, maybe I should have just stopped right there. Probably I should have just stopped right there. But being a young priest who just has way too much to say, um, I continued. And I told him, Colin, you know, even when the church is empty, even, in the, even when there's nobody there um, at the altar, um, I'm not alone. You know, the angels and the saints are actually there. And I'm praying with them, right? We're all worshiping God together. And that wasn't helping. Um, and I, there was another opportunity to just stop. But as I said, even when the church is full, there are more angels and saints present at the, at the Mass than even when the church is full. And the, he just... He just had to admit he thought I was just genuinely crazy. Um, and that was that. Um, I think he wrote a paper on it for a high school English class. Um, never have never seen that. I don't know if, you've, if, he, if he's ever heard this homily, but I've never seen this high school paper about the same episode. But it's totally understandable, right? Um, uh, we are in the presence of the angels and the saints. And we are praying to God. We all know that. How many times have we thought about that and explain that to other people. What I suggest to you is there, is, a, there is there are a few ways in which we oversimplify that. And today's feast of the nativity of St. John the Baptist is a great opportunity to, to recognize a, a beautiful wrinkle in all of that. Not an exception, but a wrinkle to all that. Because we hear from people who don't understand what happens in church, um, that we're just gathered around a table for a, for a family meal, and this is just a gathering of the community for us to be nourished and fed. And, and um, um, right, instead of, being, instead of feeling like we're being fed, we feel like we want to vomit, right, when we hear that. But have some patience. Um, when we respond by saying the prayers of the Mass are directed to God, the hymns and all the sacred words, the, all the sacred texts are, are directed to God. We have to account for um, one interesting factor, and that's the, the sacred readings. Um, the readings, um, we would probably, th- if we thought about it, we really would have to admit, okay, well, the readings are directed to us. Um, but that's just an exception to the rule. Um, there's a beautiful wrinkle. Because don't you think God the Father loves to hear the voice of God the Son? Don't you think that the Word of God isn't just, isn't just inserted into the divine worship just to instruct you, just to remind you to behave? Or is it part of glorifying God the Father?
beautiful wrinkle. And then consider, too, how many of our beautiful chants, how many of those uh, melodies that sometimes are replaced by hymns or are accompanied by hymns actually do not speak of God in the second person, but speak of God in the third person. Ordinarily, it's the Psalms. And so, so frequently at the introit, Maybe the gradual, perhaps, offertory communion. We are hearing holy voices praising God in the third person. Exactly the way we hear Zechariah praising God in the third person at the end of today's gospel. So important is this that it's part of the church's daily prayer. We pray the Benedictus every morning. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. All of this is Zechariah proclaiming to the listeners there praise of God. Praising God in the third person. Some of our prayers begin to sound like that, right? The glory and excelsis Deo, the prayers of the angels, sounds like that, and it may actually be that, but then it shifts to praising God directly. Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus, Sabaoth, and then we're praising him in the second person. But so often when we're when we hear those words, they we don't realize that the voice has shifted. In the same way that when we when we read the scriptures, especially the gospel, and we hear Jesus teaching, we we very seldom pay attention to: Is he talking to all the people? Is he talking to just believers? Is he talking to just the apostles? Is he talking just to Saint Peter? Is he talking to me? Is he talking to someone, but he wants me to hear what he's saying to that person? Likewise, this person is praising God. Zechariah is praising God, and he wants us to be the recipients of those words. He's actually speaking to us, and he's speaking about God in the third person. And then when we recognize when, when, when the Psalms are so often doing the same thing. And then when we factor in, well, you know, these readings, this is, this is the word of God directed at us. Have we found an exception or have we stumbled upon a beautiful wrinkle? What is this beautiful wrinkle? Don't you think the angels and the saints, especially angels, especially probably the cherubim, um, I have to imagine, they're not only overwhelmed, overjoyed and trembling and in fear, holy fear, right? Respectful and, and worshipful full, full fear. But they're also talking to each other like, isn't this awesome? And they're praising God. And isn't this incredible? And they're praising God. 
And isn't he beautiful? And they're praising God. I don't imagine heaven at all. I don't imagine the communion of saints where each, each soul is only aware of the beatific vision of God in his glory. To the absolute uh, separation and isolation from every other soul in heaven. That can't possibly be heaven. Right? The angels, and, the angels are singing in, in the first person plural. And not only that, so many of these, so many of our prayers at the altar are, are our words to each other in praise of God in the third person. It doesn't mean that the Marxists are right and this is just a table and this is just a communal meal and we're just being nourished. What it means is we're really in heaven and we're really communicating with the angels and the saints. We are praising God directly and we're praising God in the third person, both. And we go back and forth so easily. So easily, you don't even notice it. And how many psalms, in the course of the psalm, switches back and forth from praising God in the third person to the second person and the third person and back and forth. It's just natural. Right? What do you do when you hold a newborn baby? Probably especially a grandbaby because you have some confidence at that point. Right? You're talking to the little baby, and then you're talking about the baby, and you're talking to the baby, and you're talking about the baby, and it's, it's just easy. It's effortless. We don't have any hesitation doing that because we're overwhelmed with joy. Significantly, there, there are two parts of the Mass that have that really seem to be an exception. And it's worth noting that mm, they're not originally part of the Mass. The Confidior. The Confidior is a prayer where I acknowledge in the presence of those here listening that I confess to God and to the Blessed Virgin Mary and to St. John the Baptist and the Apostles Peter and Paul and all the saints and to you, brethren, In the, in the Anglican Ordinariate, as was um, the case at this Mass many, many, many centuries ago, those prayers at the foot of the altar happen in the sacristy. Those are sacristy prayers. And so the first words that originally... In, for many, many centuries that would have been offered at the altar are those first prayers where I am praying to God. Deus tu conversus vivificabis nos. And then Alfred nobis domine. And then oramos te domine. But when we first arrive at the altar and we pray the confidior, we're not, we're not speaking to God directly. We're speaking to each other and praying, and praying for God's mercy for each other. It's, it's a beautiful wrinkle. The church in her wisdom took those prayers that had to be in the sacristy and still in some rites take place in the sacristy and made them, um, made them here, perhaps for the sake of those priests who occasionally show up late for Mass, don't even talk to me about them. 
which is me. Um, and uh, it probably would have been tempting for them to skip those prayers in the sacristy and just get to beginning Mass. That's my guess, that the church just made sure that, no, you, you must pray these prayers. So even if you don't pray them in the sacristy, you're going to pray them right there at the foot of the altar. And the creed. The creed speaks of God in the third person. But we didn't have the creed in the Mass for several centuries. Uh, and it was actually a, a schismatic bishop in, in Gaul who uh, started praying the Nicene Creed because he didn't like the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed um, at Mass. It was his form of protest. So as Rome frequently does, she adopts the protest and makes it her own and gives it her own meaning and said, yes, we will all pray the Creed at Sunday Mass now, and this is the Creed we will pray, and this is what it means. So many things are happening at this altar. It's not simply, I have come here to say my prayers to the Lord. And I hope that you all are doing the same. But there really is a way in which we are turning to each other, metaphorically, and praising God to each other. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. And then we go back and, and, and we praise him. Holy, holy, holy Lord. All of these beautiful wrinkles make sense when we remember where we are. Which is where heaven comes to earth. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.